Welcome to Tales of Panem, a Hunger Games podcast. My name is Claire, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm glad to have you all joining me this week. Make sure to check out my social media, which is at Tales of Panem on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for updates, episode information, and more. So now that we've finished Mockingjay, we're going to get into the movies. Obviously, the the book was split into two movies, so this week I'll be covering Mockingjay Part 1, and next week will be Part 2. Before I get started today, I wanted to say that after I finish talking about the movies, I will be doing a trilogy wrap-up episode where I'll talk about any final thoughts I have on the first three books. I will also be answering listener questions in that episode, so if you have any questions for me about the first three books or any of the movies or just anything related to that, feel free to DM them to me on any of my social media or send me an email at talesofpanem at gmail.com. Now let's start the episode. For those of you who have not listened to my prior movie episodes, they do have a specific format since I'm covering the entire movie in one episode. I'm going to start with some fun trivia about some of the other actors who were considered for the leading roles in the film, and then I'll get into the actual breakdown. I've split the movie up into five sections, and for each section, I'll give a quick rundown of what happens, discuss any major book-to-movie differences, talk about anything else noteworthy within that section, and then give some fun facts about the actors, the filming process, etc. Finally, at the end of the episode, I'm going to talk briefly about some of the deleted scenes from the movie. So probably the most like significant new cast member slash character to be introduced in this film is obviously President Al McCoyne, um, who, as we all know, is played by Julianne Moore, who is incredible in the role. But what you might not know is that Jodie Foster was actually one of the people that they were originally eyeing for this role. Um... And also very interesting is that before they officially like hired Francis Lawrence back, like he had directed Catching Fire, but they didn't know if he was going to direct Mockingjay or if they were going to bring in someone new. And two of the directors that they actually considered aside from him was Ryan Johnson and Alfonso Cuaron, uh, which the Ryan Johnson one especially makes me feel crazy because I love Ryan Johnson. I love Francis Lawrence too. I think he did an incredible job, but sometimes I just like to think about like, the alternate reality in which Ryan Johnson directed Mockingjay Parts 1 and 2. Anyway, let's talk about the movie. So starting, the sections are a little bit shorter for this one because this movie is shorter than the other films, so they're all about like 20 to 25 minutes, Um, which is good because it gives me more time to talk about them. Um, Our first section starts with the beginning of the film and takes us through all of Katniss's like initial recovery in 13 and when she's sort of getting to like know the place. Um, her first time meeting Coin and also like her meetings with Coin and Plutarch. Her first return to District 12 when she goes back alone just to see what the Capitol's done to it. Snow's speech to the districts basically like threatening anyone involved in rebel activity uh, with execution. And then PETA's very first interview that he does for the Capitol. Again, with the book to movie changes, I'm never going to talk about all of them. I'm only going to talk about ones that are either like very significant or ones that I have strong feelings about personally or just anything that I find noteworthy um but not like every single one especially with Mockingjay because there's a lot of changes being that it was divided into two films uh the first one is that in the books there's a scene at the end of Catching Fire actually where Finnick talks to Katniss and is this is when he's like I Annie got taken to the Capitol and I wish she was dead and I wish that we were all dead too and in they actually moved that scene to Mockingjay. So now it's towards the very beginning of this film when she sees him in the hospital. And that's when he tells her about Annie being taken and, and says all that stuff. So that was just one scene that was kind of shifted. 
Um, there are added scenes, as there are with the other films, with President Snow. In this case, it's with him and Egeria, who's kind of like his advisor, his aide that we see in the film, who's obviously not in the book because she never would have had any cross paths with Katniss in any way. Um, but we get scenes between the two of them, like we get the scene where she's helping him revise his speech um, and, and stuff like that. So she's a character in this that got added. As well as, like I said, we usually have some sort of President Snow scenes that exist outside Katniss's, like, perspective that we get to see in the movies. Like, we had Plutarch and Snow and Catching Fire, and then obviously, like, Seneca and Snow, and, you know, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> um, and also, Fulvia Cardu was not a character in the movie, although she is in the book, because she's, like, Plutarch's sort of, like, assistant who also was from the Capitol, um but she got cut out from the movie the thing that i find most interesting about her is that she actually shares a last name with a character from ballad but that's something that i'll talk about when we get to that book because trust me i have thoughts about it but yeah she uh she's not in the movie i don't really have strong feelings about her it's just worth noting my trivia for this section always the best part of the episode um when they're in district 12 there is a when Cass is in district 12 there's a dog like wandering around among the like bodies and wreckage um and it's actually Donald Sutherland's dog his name is Biggles really this is really important information that I'm sharing right now um and also Jennifer Lawrence is wearing a wig in this film and the next two films because she cut her hair after catching fire probably because she'd been dying it dark brown for those films and when you dye your hair that much it's actually pretty bad for it um so she did cut her hair and then she ended up wearing a wig for this film but the interesting part about this is that the wig she wore is reportedly worth thirty thousand dollars thirty thousand dollars for a wig moving along <laughs> to the next section um so here we start with the the sort of like aftermath of Peter's first interview when she's trying to like work it out with Gail of like, why do you think he said those things? Um, and then her conversation with Prim where she's like, I want to be the Mockingjay, but I'm worried about what's going to happen to Peta. And then when she goes to Coin and Plutarch with her sort of demands for becoming the Mockingjay, Coin's address of 13, where she's like, Katniss agreed to be the Mockingjay if we meet X, Y, and Z. Cinna, or Effie gives Katniss Cinna's sketchbook and she goes to film her first propo, which is the one that's like in the studio that goes terribly, which is when of course Hamish comes in and he's like, here's why this is not working. Um, and then that's when they decide to send her to District 8. She goes, her and Gail go to see the like weapons room and facilities where they get their fancy bows from Beatty. And then she meets her camera, camera crew for the first time and then they go to District 8. So much happens in this film. And it's not even nearly as much as happens in the next one. So um, book to movie changes for this section. Katniss's list of demands is slightly different because in the book, she as part of her list of demands is when she asks for her and Gail to be allowed to hunt above ground uh, in the film that's left out. But Coin just kind of lets them do that later on. Killing Snow is also not on her list of demands, which makes me sad because one, I like that it was included. And I also like how when she tells Coin that she wants to kill Snow, Coin says that she'll flip her for it when the time comes. And then also Enobaria is not explicitly included in the like Victor's immunity deal because in the book Katniss just kind of includes her. She's like, I don't really think that she's going to need it. And I also don't really care about her, but like 
I don't know, it feels kind of wrong to leave her out. Um, in the movie, she's not mentioned. She does end up surviving, obviously, because she's at the the vote with all the other victors, but like she never gets explicitly included in the steal. Again, not that she needs it. A uh, big change here is, and I talked about this last week, Effie being in the films much more than she is in the book. In the book, she really only shows up at the end, but in the movie, she is she's there from pretty much the beginning. Um, but and she's actually the one who has Cinna's sketchbook in, or she's the one who gives Cinna's sketchbook to Katniss because in the book it's Plutarch that gives it to her because Effie's not around and Cinna had entrusted it to him and he still it, it, like it was given to Plutarch, but in the movie Effie is the one who gives it to Katniss, which I like because she obviously has a more personal connection to Cinna than Plutarch did. And also, like, it's a good way to use her when she wasn't originally supposed to be in this film because she wasn't really in the book. She kind of takes the place of Katniss's prep team. So they're not here, which means we don't have the scene where they go underground and find them all, like, chained up uh, for stealing, like, some bread. Which I know that some of the, like, really darker stuff or, like, more graphic stuff, I guess, kind of got cut out of the films, which I have thoughts about because I feel like it's, like, we... I get it. I get it. It's to make it more like marketable, whatever, appeal to a wider audience. But I also think a lot of that stuff is really crucial. Um, And this scene was important in showing us like that 13 is also has its problems, which is a little less obvious, I feel, in the movies than it is in the books, especially early on. But they are not there. Trivia time. Um, Julianne Moore actually has said that her, her children, who were both fans of the novels actually were the ones who convinced her to accept the role of Al McCoyne. So thank you to Julianne Moore's kids. You did us a great service. Um, also, Francis Lawrence had an entire greenhouse grown for this movie that apparently took like several, several months to grow and had like an entire team of experts to design it and grow it and and make sure it was perfect. And then all of the scenes that were filmed there ended up getting cut because the original cut of the film was too long. And then in the scene where Katniss first meets her camera crew, Pollux signs something to Castor. And what he's signing is basically, she's beautiful, don't you think? And Castor, it responds basically in agreement, um, which I think is so cute. And I love them. Moving along, next section. Um, now we are in District 8. This section starts with Katniss's visit to the hospital and then the attack by the Capitol on 8 where they bomb the hospital. And of course her propo that she films there, which is the one where she's like, if we burn, you burn with us. So like the first one that's actually a success. Um, and we do see this like uprising that happens in District 7. And this is when she and Gail are allowed to hunt above ground. So we see that. And then Peta does his second interview. Katniss and Gail and the camera crew return to District 12. And this section ends with when she kisses Gail in her kitchen. And he's like, I knew you would do that. Anyway, um, book to movie changes. Personal tragedy to me is that all the stuff with her like earpiece that she gets from Hamish and then she pulls it out and then he comes to her room and is like, girl, if you don't leave this in, I'm going to like you know we all know what I'm talking about because that scene is really funny um where he's like if you don't keep your earpiece in I'm going to literally implant an earpiece into your brain so that you will have to hear me speaking to you at all hours of the day yeah that got cut whatever it's fine um 
addition to this section that I love uh, is that we get to see this uprising that happens in District 7, which we obviously didn't get to see in the book. And I really love it. I love just seeing like the people standing up because we've seen like the actual soldiers fighting. We've seen the rebel leaders. We've seen Katniss. But like in terms of just like the average like citizen of any given district, we get to see them also like taking a stand, which I think is really great and a really good addition to this film. Uh, the thing with PETA's interview where like Finnick in the book, Finnick and Katniss see it while they're in the hospital. And then Finnick's like, we're not going to tell anyone that we saw this. And then no one brings it up to her. And that's why like her and Gail fight. because She's like, you didn't even tell me. Um, in the book, they just like watch it in command and it's not like, or in the movie, they just like watch it in command. It's not a like secret thing. And then also very minor thing, but involves Hamish. So I had to bring it up. In the book, when they're going back to District 12, Katniss is like, hey, Mitch isn't coming with us. And Plutarch's like, he said he couldn't face it without a bottle. And in the movie, they're just like, he, he's just not there. It's okay. I mean, I think that they should acknowledge it because like District 12 is his home too. Um, and obviously, like, I get why he doesn't want to go back. And I, but like, I would appreciate if they would at least like mention it. It's okay though. It's so fine. Um, and then my one like trivia thing for this section, that's one of my personal favorites is that apparently after she saw Catching Fire, Suzanne Collins actually called Francis Lawrence and was like, there's no way Effie Trinket cannot be in the Mockingjay films. The power of Elizabeth Banks, y'all, because Effie, Effie's a decent character in the books, but like, that's basically it. Like, I didn't really care that much about her in the books. I was like, okay. But in the movies, she's so much more interesting and dynamic and just like better. And that's not like a, like, I don't think that she was ever supposed to be an extremely crucial character in the books, but I like that she got to be in the movies. And I think that a lot of that is because of Elizabeth Banks and how her portrayal of Effie was incredible. And also like hair and makeup and costuming because she just looks incredible every time she's on screen. But I do love that she saw that and she was like, she needs to be in this movie. And she was so right for that. And I'm so glad she was. And I'll say it a million more times. Moving along. Um... This section starts off with her singing The Hanging Tree and that being recorded and broadcast and all the other scenes that happen in that song. Um, PETA's third interview, which is the one where he warns them that District 13 is about to be attacked. And of course, then the actual like bombing of 13 and they're having to like shelter in the bunker. And then the propo that she's supposed to film afterwards that she doesn't get through because she's like, I can't be the Mockingjay anymore, which is when they then send a rescue team to the Capitol. And we're stopping right where like the rescue team gets sent out. The changes in this section, uh, we get to see an, another uprising that happens in District 5, which is the, the power district. Um, and that's during like Hanging Tree, which I love because you get to hear like the people singing and it's really great. They did some great things with that song. Um, tiny, tiny thing. I mean, not tiny. It actually like ruined my life when I read it. But, you know, is that when after PETA warns them all about District 13 in the film, it just like the broadcast cuts out. But in the book, we actually Katniss, everyone sees on TV like his they like hit him and his like blood splatters on the tiles, which like kind of good. They didn't show that to me, but also like Mm, it was really devastating in the book. And then another small thing, again, sorry to bring up literally every minor thing that has to do with Hamish, but it's important to me. And this is one of the things that I bring up every time I watch this movie with literally anyone is that 
in the book when Katniss or when Hamish tells Katniss about the rescue mission, he's like, I they pretended to see me not not see me raising my hand trying to volunteer because he wanted to go to the Capitol and try to rescue Peta. I'll cry about it, but that doesn't happen in the movie. Um, my little extra bonus note for this section is that it does have the part where Katniss, where the line that's like, in the end, the only person I truly want to comfort me is Hamish because he loves Peta too. That scene in the movie, are you joking? He, She's literally like having a meltdown and everyone's like, come on Katniss, you can do it. And he's the one who walks over and gives her a hug and is like, you don't have to do this. Although we didn't get the scene afterwards where he, like, has his arm around her and she's crying. And she's like, I can't be the Mahmoudet. Which, because they kind of grouped it into the scene where she's, where he tells her about the rescue mission. Um, But I think they should have left the other scene because m- maybe it was better. But that's, that's my opinion. <laughs> and then trivia is that a lot of people think that Josh Hutcherson, like, went on some sort of, like, diet or something to, like, basically make him look thinner because he's supposed to be like being tortured and and look terrible and stuff but they actually use cgi which is really good because i don't think that actors should be made to go on unhealthy diets to fit a role i think that if we have the technology to make that happen because i don't like i don't think it would have been healthy for him uh but it was all cgi that was used for that and also tragic this is the only film of all four that does not include a kiss between Katniss and Peeta. So now you know why it's my least favorite. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And also I love this film. It is like my least favorite of the four, but like that's really not saying much for me. I love them all a lot. But they don't kiss in this film. They barely even interact in this film. Ugh. It's a tragedy. That's that's my biggest I'm just kidding. I have other complaints with the structure of these two films but no my joking biggest complaint is that since it got split into two parts we had an entire film where they like didn't interact except for when he tried to kill her you know what it's okay i love sad stories too so (laughs) and then our last section which starts with phoenix propo in which he's like let me tell you all these secrets about president snow and then the actual like events of the rescue mission so when they go into the capital and then katniss tries to sort of like distract snow by like talking to him because they lose contact with the team and then they're when they come back with Peta and joanna and annie her reunion if you want to call it that with Peta, in which he literally tries to kill her and then she of course learns that like he's been hijacked and what that actually means and then the film ends with coin is giving this speech to district 13 about how like we saved the victors oh we're such heroes while katniss is like looking through the glass at Peta, literally like thrashing around incredible ending scene and i will i have things to say about that <laughs> we'll get it we'll get to it but in terms of the book to movie changes katniss doesn't do in the in the book she does another propo during the rescue mission where she basically because the in the book, it's like the rescue team goes and they don't really have any way to know if they're going to be successful until they get back because they have like they can't be in contact with them. So she does another propo to kind of like keep the capital's attention elsewhere. And that's when she talks about her and Peta and the bread. And that doesn't happen in the movie. But what she does do instead is she does speak to Snow on like FaceTime or whatever. <laughs> and, and she's basically trying to distract him. That's when he says the line that's like, it's the things we love most that destroy us, which is really, really good and relevant. Um, Especially when you know (laughs) what happened in Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Anyway, sorry to bring that up. But but yeah, so that got switched around a bit. 
Um, however, that change does mean that we get... Here's the thing. Hamish and Katniss don't hug enough in this series, okay? Like, it needs to happen more. Because I am a firm, till the day I die, believer in physical touch, love language, Hamish Abernathy. And I could go into heavy detail, but I will not. I'll spare you all right now. But my point being, they should hug more. But they did add this scene where after Snow is like, I literally know that you, that your friends are in the tribute center right now. And then she starts like, she literally starts like crying, obviously. She's like, okay, two of the people that I care about more than anything are in the Capitol and Snow knows they're there. They're probably both going to die. And she's like crying. And then they hug her like, oh my God, he hugs her and he's like trying to comfort her, but she's like literally sobbing. So I guess this kind of makes up for when they left cut out the other scene where she was crying and he had his arm around her but like why not both <laughs> um no but seriously this is such a good scene it makes me feel crazy I literally have like the gif of this scene like of them hugging saved in my phone somewhere um anyway time for some fun trivia Natalie Dormer who plays Cressida actually kind of like basically improvised a good portion of her scenes because a lot of it's like her directing like Fennec or Katniss or whoever and she would just kind of like be saying what she wanted and she was really good at it and also her hairstyle because she's originally supposed to have like an entirely shaved head with the ivy tattoos but she was like okay hear me out what if I only shave half my head and it looks incredible so um this is more about like the music but whatever it's just here uh, Lord is actually the youngest person ever to curate a soundtrack for a like major Hollywood film because she did write music for this film. Yellow Flicker Beat, banger. Um, and then this is what I was, I kind of ended this earlier, it makes me feel crazy. The, the final scene of the film, which is the one where like Quinn's giving her speech and Katniss is looking at PETA, that was actually supposed to be the opening scene of part two. So the original ending of part one was supposed to be Peta's choking Katniss, Boggs knocks him out, and then like cut to black. But then they were like, no, that's too much. It's too much of like a cliffhanger, especially for people who haven't read the book. Look, though, here's the thing. It would have been so good, though. Like, I would have lost my mind. And I, I love the way the film ends. Like, I think it's incredible. And I do think that it would have been a lot for anyone who didn't read the book to be like, are you kidding me? Her, her literal, like love of her life just tried to kill her what's going on um but I <laughs> I just think that would have been crazy like I would have screamed if I had seen that in the movie theater but you know it's okay I I love the new or the ending they went with now it's time for the best part of these episodes where I talk about deleted scenes I'm actually not gonna be too angry about these ones but next week yeah I'm gonna probably be yelling and once again, I'm not going to do every single deleted scene. I'm just going to do any that are particularly notable or also my favorites. So first one is, this is a pretty small one, but the like, the there's a deleted scene of someone getting like the schedule tattooed on their arm, like how in 13 they would tattoo the citizens schedules for every day on their arms, um, which got cut out. And the only real, like they never actually like address the schedule thing except for there's one shot, I can't remember if it's in part one or part two, I think it's in part one, where you can see, like, the edges of a tattoo on Finnick's wrist, 
So those do still exist in the movie. They're just never like mentioned or really seen, um, except for in this one deleted scene that got cut out. Now there's this scene with Snow and Peta that got cut, where it basically it takes place after Peta's first interview, where Snow's like, "Good job, bestie." Um, and now I'm gonna need you to keep saying stuff to kind of like get this rebellion to calm down or hopefully end. And then Peta's like, "So you're asking me to like." try to stop this war basically and then snow's like i'm not asking um and here's why i don't like the scene because when Peta first comes in snow is like you did a good job in your first interview and then Peta's like i was just saying how i feel <laughs> i don't know man because the first interview is obviously the one where he's like i like if we keep fighting each other there's going to be no one left and like we almost killed ourselves off in the first war so and that's when he's like there should be a ceasefire and I don't I think that he believes some of that in terms of the like we have to be careful we can't just kill whoever we want which is where that actually comes back around in like the second half of the book and also like the second movie when Gail's all like yeah these civilians have to die like whatever and Katniss is like first of all that's messed up and second of all you know, we can't, we have to be careful. Like, we don't have an unlimited population of people. We need, we can't just kill, like, whoever we want. However, I don't think that Peta himself would have called for a ceasefire. Because he believed in the rebellion, too. Like, literally in Catching Fire, him and Katniss are like, should we actually be trying to stop this rebellion like the Capitol wants us to, or should we be trying to help? And, like, he definitely believes in it. And so I don't think that he would ever have been like, oh, I think that there should be a ceasefire. But I think I think that, like, the sort of, like, we have to be careful thing could come from him. But again, like, I don't like that this scene implies that that stuff all came straight from him because I choose to believe for his character that, like, he was coerced already into saying that and like had already started the torturing and even the hijacking and also maybe like making a deal to protect Katniss you know like stuff like that all the reasons in the movie why they're like maybe that's why he would have said this thing and in the book too um so that's why I'm kind of glad this scene got cut out also because I don't think we need to see a scene where Snow threatens Peta to say what he needs him to say because like we can infer that that's what happened like I just you can tell by the deterioration of his physical and mental state throughout these interviews that he is not being treated well and that he's not just saying this stuff of his own free will. Um, there was also a scene in the hummingbird room that got cut out, which was obviously the like one of the things in like sort of the like weapons facilities, which is where Gail's like talking about the best way to like trap a hummingbird and like other applications of traps and stuff, which obviously leads to the creation of the weapon that like the two-tiered explosion that like maybe was the bomb that killed Prim we don't know that all got cut but we still get in the second movie him and BD talking about their weapons anyway so like it was fine um <laughs> there's this really short scene right before the first propo the one in the studio that's like terrible where they're doing Katniss's makeup and Effie walks in and she's like oh, what are you guys doing? This looks terrible. And she comes over and like grabs a brush from them. But the reason, the thing that I think is so funny about this scene is that she's like, they're like putting blush on her. And she's like, have you ever even met Rouge? And it's literally so funny. Like, that's what I'm saying when I'm like, Elizabeth Banks literally made this role into everything that it is because it's literally hilarious. 
narrative significance basically none uh but it's funny to me so <laughs> i did ju- i just had to bring it up now we get to the one that i'm actually so mad about scene after after this after the first propo after him it shows back up and this is a scene directly from the book the dialogue was like literally the exact dialogue that was in the book where katniss is like i can't believe you didn't save Peta," and then Hamish is like i can't believe you let him out of your sight that night and then this is when she's like and then he's like he's not dead yet and so we have to keep fighting you know and this is such a good scene. And it starts them on the track to, like, her starting to forgive him. Whatever. Guess you should just cut it. It's literally so good, though. Why would you cut the scene? Also, this movie was shorter than all the other movies. You had time for that one scene. I know you did. So why would you cut it? Oh, my gosh. I'm so mad about it. I just... Because then in this movie... Okay. You know, I am going to rant about this because I have time. The thing is, in this film, it's like... Hamish comes back and she's like I hate you and then there's the whole thing where he's like name one time that Katniss Everdeen actually moved you and then like the next time that we actually see the two of them interact is when they're outside and she's like I can't be the Mockingjay or when they're outside and she's trying to do the propo and he like hugs her and then when he comes to talk to her in the little like pipe whatever but like you need that scene in between because she goes from like fully hating him to like I, it's nice to have you around. I want to, like, you're really important to me. And I feel like we need that scene in the middle because it's a really big, like, and it's also important for her character because it's like, she still blames herself for everything that happened and he gets to be like, it wasn't your fault and, like, we need to keep fighting to save Pia because until he's dead, like, we still have a chance to save him and that was the deal that we made. And then we just cut that out. Like, why? It was so, you know, it's okay. It's fine. Whatever. But, like, it makes me actually so angry because it's so good. It's such a good scene, too. It's, like, when you go watch the deleted scene because it's so good and they literally nailed the, like, energy of that scene from the book. And, again, the dialogue is so spot on. I'm just, like, ugh, angry about it. There's a couple other deleted scenes that have, like, BD, like, messing around with technology and stuff, which, like, okay, that's fine. No disrespect to Beatty, but I'm like, yeah, we didn't really need to see every single time that he was, like, trying to break into the capital's airspace. Or not airspace, but, like, airways. Um, And then last one I wanted to mention briefly is that there was a scene where Snow actually, where we see Snow actually watching Katniss's propo, the one where she's like, if we burn, you burn with us. And I just, like, I don't know. I just, I think you should just go watch the scene just i think you should just go watch all of these guys just go on youtube and look up like mockingjay deleted scenes and they'll literally be there because just the look on his face i'm like i hate you so bad obviously but like because he just looks so like almost amused and it makes me so angry and also i'm like yeah you didn't take any of this seriously and then you literally lost and died so deserved um but yeah see most of those i'm like it's not that big a deal but that one with Hamish and Katniss. And then next week when I talk about the one Hamish and Katniss scene that was like, that got cut from from uh, part two and like literally fills me with rage to this day. Like all the times that I'm like, whatever, it's fine. Like I'm over it. And I'm like kind of lying. I won't even lie next week. I'll be like, yeah, I'm still mad about this. I'll continue to be mad. Sorry. 
sorry it's just the way i am about the two of them if you in any way take away any scene between the two of them i'm gonna be mad about it because they're the most important thing ever to me it's like their scenes and then any everlark scene i'm like if you cut it also joanna mason also joanna mason and you know what there aren't even deleted scenes of her they didn't even try to put her in the movie more but no like they literally they literally have that scene like it's right there just put it in it was like it was like less than two minutes and again this movie was shorter than all the others by a decent amount you could have fit it in you could have fit in an extra couple minutes that's all i'm saying not to say that i could have done better than francis no i'm just kidding (laughs) i'm just kidding i love you francis lawrence i think you did an incredible job with these films but i do have a bone to pick with you or whoever's decision it was to cut this scene Thanks for joining me this week on Tales of Panem. Next week, I'll be discussing Mockingjay Part 2 in its entirety. And if you have any specific questions or topics you'd like me to cover, you can DM them to me on any social media or send them to my email, which is talesofpanem at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would be very appreciated. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back next week.